This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The 1619 Project has earned both praise and criticism for its discussions of the institution of slavery. Now, as a TV production, Cato's Paul Meany takes a close look at the project's episode dealing most explicitly with American-style capitalism. We spoke last month. The 1619 Project has been uh, celebrated. It has been vilified. It has been... Uh, scrutinized by uh, various people. I've spoken to uh, Phil Magnus uh, about uh, his criticisms, which are substantial, but not overwhelming. Uh, he has very sort of pointed things to say. Now the the project, uh, which has uh, spawned a book and now a series on Hulu. And, and, and most specifically, this uh, episode that you wanted to talk about sort of zeroes in on some of the criticisms that um, the 1619 Project makes and the connections that the 1619 Project makes broadly between slavery, the products of slavery, and capitalism itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to start off, the 1619 Project has been extremely controversial, but I'd like to quickly make a caveat that Not all of the 1619 Project is extremely controversial. A large chunk of it is very, very uncontroversial facts about history in America and what happened. Um, This episode on capitalism, which is derived from the original essay by Matt Desmond, it's very, very um, loose, and it's much looser than the original essay. The TV show has a lot more to deal with and has to put it in a much different format. So it's much more scatterbrained, a little bit all over. It's not as cohesive as the original essays. But I wanted to talk about it because I think there's a lot of misconceptions and anti-capitalist bias in this episode that it's really useful to illustrate how why people go so wrong when they talk about capitalism and how we should think about it a little differently. And maybe also how libertarians should talk about capitalism to convince people a little bit better. Well, I am uh, probably in the small minority of libertarians who don't really care for the word capitalism generally. Uh, I think it it's it's loaded in a way that I don't particularly like. Uh, I prefer freedom mm-hmm. than uh, capitalism. Um, but so what what are I guess what are the claims that are made in the essay? How do they translate specific to the video series? And I mean anytime you translate an essay to something for video you're going to lose something. Yeah. So how are the claims, how are they made and how are they presented on, on the show? Uh, the best way to summarize it is Matt Desmond makes the point that America was built on cotton. The Industrial Revolution in America was caused by the commodity of cotton and this really pushed America into a new age and that you cannot separate capitalism and race. The two are inextricably linked. Um, and it's kind of this idea that all of them, like a lot of what America is today is built off the labor of black bodies. And that really capitalism hasn't changed very much. You know, the TV show makes this kind of point. It kind of, it goes back and forth between a story of a plantation and Amazon workers trying to unionize. And it kind of tries to make this connection that slavery hasn't really changed so much. And I, I think there's a good point that's made in the show by the original author of the essay, Matt Desmond, that the English language doesn't have very many good words for being unfree. We kind of have just slavery, and that leads us to all sorts of extremes. So we say working for minimum wage is slavery, but then also that slavery is slavery. And it's very hard to make these kind of distinctions. And Hannah Nicole Jones in the show, she talks about 
what people define capitalism as is a system of private ownership uh, coupled with a free market. And she very quickly says, this isn't really what it means. And I really can't blame her because it's a very dry academic economic definition that doesn't really tell you very much. It's kind of just a bunch of terms thrown at you. And that's why I think this episode, I think all libertarians or people who support capitalism should watch it so they can understand why people don't really understand or care for capitalism. Because in the whole episode, Hannah Nicole Jones never associates capitalism with massive unprecedented progress or increase in living standards. She talks about how people's rights are being taken away. And I think it's really important to plug a really good book about this topic, which is Marcus Witcher and Rachel Ferguson's Black Liberation Through the Marketplace, which talks much more about how black people in America have been uplifted by the market, not trodden down upon. And that normally the massive differences in wealth and income we see today are not a result of the free market per se. It's more so a result of past government policy discrimination. The notion that you know free markets, private property, free exchange, uh, that they have not helped people across not just in this country but across the globe is sort of i guess it, the the fact that that it's hard to deny first of all but the the fact that that is poo-pooed and tossed cast aside and not considered something in the win column uh for this enterprise that's called capitalism uh where does that stem from i think um Hayek and Mises can really help us get through this issue of why do people hate capitalism so much but benefit from it so much as well. And I think Hayek touches on this in the Constitutional Liberty when he says capitalism was taken upon by Western Europe on the recommendation of a small elite. Even at the zenith of you know liberalism in the 19th century, not very many people understood what markets exactly were doing or what capitalism really meant. And just to specify as well, capitalism was meant as an insult by people such as Marx. We never exactly went off and picked that term. I would much prefer to say free enterprise, or as you said, freedom, because that's what it is, the freedom to buy, sell, to work with other people, to make agreements, to make arrangements. But when Hannah Nicole Jones talks about capitalism, she talks about double bookkeeping. And she says that this is kind of like how you start to see the development of the capitalist mindset in America and the Industrial Revolution. But double bookkeeping had been around since the Italian Renaissance. So I think this, what's happening here is something that Mises touches on in the anti-capitalist mentality, which is an idea that capitalism isn't the free exchange of goods and services. It's a kind of clerical exercise. And Mises talks about how a lot of Russian thinkers during the Russian Revolution thought that capitalism was basically just scribbling down pieces of information on paper, learning how to do some basic accounts, some basic profit and loss accounts, and you'd be good to go. And it's this idea that all capitalism is, is kind of just clerical management. When it's much, much more, it's an extended order of people that can get more information than any central planner could ever give by everyone going in innumerable different directions. When we say capitalism, other people think of the exploitation of labor, which Hannah Nicole Jones argues is essential to the definition of capitalism. But when you or I hear about capitalism, or more preferably free enterprise, we think of people going their own way. The defining feature of liberalism and the market is that people can go their own way. They can do what they want with their talents and their information, but that's really lost on people on the other side. What else does Mises have to say about the anti-capitalist mentality in his writings? It's it, you know the, the contradiction seems to be, yes, I'm more than happy to uh, drink from the waters of the benefits that 
free markets provide. Uh, but, and I personally would not sacrifice anything if this entire system came crashing down. Um, but it, 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 it has always struck me as sort of a weird contradiction. So Mises' anti-capitalistic mentality was kind of panned by critics when it came out because people thought Mises was basically just saying socialists are lazy. They don't want to work. They don't want to try hard. That's why they hate capitalism. But I think it's a bit more nuanced than that. And I think what Mises was trying to get across and the way I read it is that capitalism allows everyone to go their own way, to be responsible for themselves, to try out things on their own. And this means that some people are going to do absolutely brilliant and some people aren't going to do very well. And a lot of people think that the people are going to do very well inherit wealth. They already have all the advantages. And that's very true. Those people tend to do quite well for themselves. It's rare to see them mess up too hard. But also people on the lowest rung do well as well. There's no real defining feature. People move up and down the income ladder and the wealth ladder kind of almost at random based on their abilities. I think what Mises touches on is that capitalism allows for an awful lot of resentment because we realize in an old caste society like the feudal world, if I was a peasant, there's really no shame in being a peasant. I was born into it. I couldn't be anything more. There's no way I could have been a baron or a duke. I would have had to be born as that. But under capitalism, we are free to do whatever we want. Free in some sense of the word. This means that our failures are our own. So capitalism, it's actually a very hard system to live under because it makes us question ourselves, our own abilities. It makes us resent other people because they're better than us. And Mises says, we can't just accept that other people have done what we couldn't in similar circumstances. So what we start to say is, aha, they resorted to foul play. They did something immoral. I like to keep my morality intact. And so quite often you see a connection of if anyone's done well for themselves, it's because they've exploited others. There's no way they could have got wealthy in similar circumstances to me with similar resources. They had to have done something evil or exploitative. And the contributions of people who are engaged in the practice of business of enterprise, it's not immediately obvious what they're contributing. Mm -hmm. It's a big part of it is that people think big business is evil. And this really comes across in the 1619 documentary that Amazon is a very, very evil business. And there's lots of questionable things Amazon has done, but it's very, it's undeniable that big business always serves a big market. It serves the general public. It's not for the extremely rich, the aristocrats. Big business tends to serve regular average people. Under capitalism, we actually see kind of a more egalitarian way of consumption that let's go back to the early days of the Roman Empire. If you were extremely wealthy, you could have things that even someone in the middle class could possibly never have. Access to actors, to theaters, to all sorts of entertainment and philosophy. But now, thanks to capitalism, all of that is kind of consumable by anyone. And nowadays, it's kind of hard to tell who's rich and who's poor just by the way they dress because Everyone kind of has similar opportunities to wear certain kinds of clothes. We're no longer in a caste society, and that means there's massive amounts of difference that isn't attributable to one particular person, but just to the market in general and people's everyday interactions. And I think people don't really like that, and they view the market as just kind of a nefarious force that's guided by the whims of oligarchs and big companies. But really, it's kind of an everyday democracy that we all go into. Paul Meany directs intellectual history at libertarianism.org. We spoke last month. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.